Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. You're listening to Morning Tide, the official morning show podcast of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tide. Ted Ramey with you as always, and a lot of stuff to get into at the last week that was in Sharks hockey. And uh, for those of you that have been joining us on the app for the expanded pregame and postgame coverage with the digital all-apps this weekend, That's really been fun, too, Uh, in case you are not aware. None of the Sharks games uh, dating back to Thursday through this Tuesday are going to be on the Sharks regular radio affiliate, KFOX. All these games are on the app alone in a digital-only format. But with that, we're doing expanded pregame and postgame coverage. I've been on that postgame coverage with Bruzy and Hetty, and it's been really, really fun. We've been taking questions from you in the audience. We've been doing polls, um, you know, questions for the fans, stuff like that. Uh, And we're going to be doing one more coming up on Tuesday after the game against the Flyers. Well, before, pregame coverage will start at 3 with Ruzi and Hetty, and then I'll be taking it in the postgame. But a really cool opportunity there and just more and more content that we're trying to bring you Sharks fans that you deserve. Back to the immediacy of the Sharks, though. A lot of stuff going on. uh, A lot of it centering around some pretty disappointing finishes as of late. We go back to last Monday. I was out there with my family. We had the 1 o'clock start time. So when you got two kids, 6 and 4, you got to take advantage of that early start. It was their first time going to a Sharks game. Uh, my wife has been to, been to plenty of games, but it was my kids' first time. They had an awesome experience, uh, even though the Sharks lost in that one. And that was one of those games where, you know, the Sharks were just, as they've done all year, they made mistakes where they shot themselves in the foot. And that's the thing that gets so frustrating with the Sharks is, They played well, 1-1 after the first period, and then they just made mistakes. I mean, if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty of it, they just shot themselves in the foot, and it was Brent Burns in that game who I thought made a couple of key mistakes uh, that led to goals for the Panthers. And we saw something very, very similar on Saturday with Evander Kane, and he ended up getting benched for the third period in that game. And overall, it's just, that's how it's been for the Sharks this year. And if they are going to make a mistake, they are going to get punished for it and often punished severely, and that's just the kind of year it's been. And it's frustrating, and especially these last three games on the road, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, the Sharks have outfought the opposition. Thursday and Saturday, they played really, really well, and I thought they were in a position maybe to get a point or maybe even a win, especially Saturday's game. That's just not the way it came down to it when all was said and done. But for me, I'm still looking at the effort. I'm still appreciating what the Sharks are bringing to the table, even though the playoffs are becoming less and less likely. Listen, they have not been mathematically eliminated as of yet. I still hold out hope for a miracle, as you always do. But the fact of the matter is, it's not likely. It's highly, highly unlikely, especially with the fact that, you know, we talked about it last time. The Sharks have traded Brendan Dillon. The Sharks have lost Eric Carlson to injury. The Sharks have lost Tomas Hurdle to injury. Logan Couture is on the mend. That's good, but... 
you know, you stack those injuries on top of each other at critical parts of the season, and that's why the Sharks are in the position they are in now. Again, I appreciate the fact that the team is still fighting and still playing hard, and that speaks to what it means to be a San Jose Shark. But, you know, I'm really trying to look at this in terms of opportunity for a lot of these young guys. Shellman, Gambrell, Mario Ferraro. I mean, that's just to name a few that we've seen recently. You know, Ferraro's been up all year, but, you know, you also get to look at Alexander True. You also get to look at, you go down the list. There's a number of players who have been given opportunities. We've gotten some looks at, and right now it is a, uh, it's it's really interesting to watch how these guys are responding. Like Dylan Gambrell, I thought on Saturday, did not have a great game. He looked a little a little soft out there, and that's and I don't mean that like he's playing soft. I mean, he's he needs to be a little bit of a heavier body. He gets pushed off the puck too easily, and we've seen that all year long. But then on Sunday, you see him in a place where he's fighting for position in front of the net, able to tip home a Shimek slap shot and get the Sharks level in that game at one. Now, that was unfortunately the only offense that the Sharks could provide in that game, but you appreciate it and you look to see what the team can continue to do in terms of development of these young players. I mean, you just don't have enough depth at forward right now. That's the very plain reality. The offense isn't there, and it's frustrating because the Sharks are doing a really good job of creating opportunities. I thought they have been really, really good in the first period of both games, Saturday and Sunday over the weekend, creating those chances, working hard on the forecheck, uh, working hard to give themselves chances to score. They just can't find the back of the net. And on Saturday, you know, Jumbo scored two goals, and that's great, but Jumbo shouldn't be the guy you're relying on to put the goal in the back or put the puck in the back of the net. Jumbo's the guy who's going to create. Jumbo's the guy who's going to make people around him better. Jumbo is a 40-year-old guy out there still making impacts, obviously, but he should not be the guy who is scoring. There needs to be other guys who can score. And it's great that Jumbo still heats up and shows the world that at 40 years old, he's still one of the best players of all time. And on any given game, he can go out there and, and do enough to give his team an opportunity to win. No doubt about that. My complaint is that that's not what Jumbo's job is at this point in his career. And the Sharks have not been constructed in the way where you're relying on Jumbo to score. You have Logan Couture. You have Tomas Hurdle. Timo Meyer, Evander Kane, you go down the list. And the lack of depth at forward combined with suspensions that we've seen to Evander Kane, injuries, it's all adding up to a Sharks team that's not able to put the puck in the back of the net enough. And so even when you do have these good defensive efforts that we've seen since Bob Bugner took over, when you stack those injuries on top of the depth at forward issue, it's just you end up having high-quality losses, and that's a oxymoron if you want to get into it. There's no such thing as a quote-unquote high-quality loss. There's just losses where you know the team is working hard, is battling, is grinding. There's just not enough out there for the Sharks to win. But you have an opportunity now where these young guys can show us what they are and how much they have in terms of a floor and in terms of a ceiling and how Doug Wilson wants to start constructing things going forward. Now, we are approaching the trade deadline by the time some of you listen to this, the deadline may have already passed. Over the weekend, there were rumors that Joe Thornton could be on the trading block, and that's been building for the last couple of days up to the trade deadline. We heard that he would be potentially open to it, to playing for a contender. The latest rumor is surrounding Patrick Marlowe, and we know that teams have been active, and we know that teams are out there looking to add depth and looking to get quality older players like Ilya Kovalchuk. He has been traded to the Caps 
from Montreal in exchange for a third-round pick. Now, he's a little bit younger, obviously, than Jumbo or Marlowe, but, you know, that's it shows you these older guys get moved when we're at this time of the year because other teams are trying to say, how can we make ourselves better in the short term in something that's not going to hamstring us long term? Other stuff we've been looking at this morning, Mike Green has been dealt from Detroit to the Edmonton Oilers in exchange for forward Kyler Brodziak and a conditional fourth round pick. The Predators have acquired Ben Harper from Toronto. Cody Eakin has gone from Vegas to Winnipeg. So things are happening and the market is active and we know that Doug Wilson is going to be asking himself and has been asking himself some very difficult questions. We know that the two old guys, Patrick Marlowe and Jumbo, those are going to be, you're going to get calls about those for lack of a better term. But I also wonder if other teams are going to inquire about a Brent Burns or a Mark Edward Vlasic. We haven't heard those names as much, but you do know that especially at this time of the year, guys are going to start inquiring. And I think that what you have to do is ask yourself as a Sharks fan, what are you willing to put up with in terms of what you see in a, not necessarily a rebuild, but how this team starts situating itself for the near and long-term situations. And I don't see some quote-unquote rebuild coming to the Sharks, at least not in that type of a terminology where we've seen teams, you know, just completely go to the bottom of the standings and work their way back up. Because you still have Logan Couture and Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle and Eric Carlson and Evander Kane. You know, you go down the list of the quote-unquote core of what the Sharks are right now, there's still a lot of top-end talent right now. You just lack some depth. And that's something that needs to be addressed. Um, but you look at a situation where, again, not just Jumbo and Patty Marlowe, but if you look at maybe teams inquiring about a Brent Burns or a Mark Edward Vlasic or whoever else it may be, Doug Wilson is going to have to be listening. And I'm sure that Doug Wilson is looking at a situation where he can, A, get himself some picks, and B, probably try and trade some picks as well to maybe try and bring in talent for next year. Doug Wilson knows, just like I do, that in the Bay Area, just like the Giants have tried very, very hard to not rebrand themselves as in the midst of a rebuild, there's just so much competition that you can't suddenly fall off a map like that. Now, the 49ers had a downturn for a couple of years. They were very lucky that Jim Harbaugh brought them back from the dead and then got him into Levi's Stadium, and then the team had a downturn after the stadium was built. That's a different situation because the NFL is the, you know, that's the top of the heap right now in the sports world. You know, the Sharks have a level of consistency where they've been at the top. They've been at the top. They're always one of those teams fighting for a Stanley Cup. It'll be interesting to see how the Warriors transition from this era to their next era because they had a great run, got a new stadium built were massively beset by injuries and suddenly had to deal with that reality. You know, it's all part of the landscape of Bay Area sports. You do not want to get left behind. You do not want to be, quote-unquote, forgotten. One of the things, though, that the Sharks have working in their advantage is they are the only hockey team in town at the NHL level. No offense to the Barracuda, but they don't have the competition like the 49ers had to deal with the Raiders. The Giants had to deal with the A's. And in my opinion, especially now that the Raiders are going to Las Vegas or are in Las Vegas, technically, you know, the 49ers forever won that battle of which team was at the top in the Bay Area when the Raiders, A, left for L.A., and B, when the 49ers won five Super Bowls over that stretch of time. And the Giants forever won the battle against the A's when they got a new stadium built, A, and B, when they won three titles 
in five years. The Sharks, the Warriors, and the Earthquakes are the teams that don't have that quote-unquote direct competition, but even though they are the only show in town at what they're doing at the professional level or at the top level of the professional level, NBA, MLS, and NHL, the teams in the South Bay have a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of the fact that a lot of the Bay Area media views the South Bay as almost on another planet, which drives me insane for a multitude of reasons. Obviously, I digress, and we can save that conversation for Bay Area media and the coverage of South Bay for another time, but you have a tremendous amount of competition is my, is my ultimate point here, and the Sharks do not want to be a lesser part of the greater conversation of Bay Area sports and Bay Area entertainment. The Sharks are showbiz. The Sharks are entertainment. It's not just the fact that people go to the Sharks because they love the Sharks. I mean, obviously, that's a huge contingency of the fans that go to the games and watch the games on TV, but people want to be entertained. You've had Joe Thornton, Logan Couture, Eric Carlson, these huge names. That's what it takes in the Bay Area. You need superstars. You need more than success. And that's why I think the Sharks are not going to position themselves to be in a classic long-term rebuild. There might be some shuffling to the deck. There might be some restructuring. There might be some overall schematic changes to what the Sharks have done or will be doing. But in terms of roster design, you do have incredible talent here. And that's why you don't want to just give up on that. You need to surround these guys with the talent that it takes to win a cup. Now, one part of that is that you want to see your younger talent develop. And I think one of the reasons they felt relatively comfortable trading Brendan Dillon is because Mario Ferraro in particular looks like he's ready to step into that role. And of course, there's always the chance that Brendan Dillon could come back to the Sharks um, in the offseason. I'm not, you know, that's that's Doug Wilson's game and speculation can run wild in a number of directions. And that's just one possibility that's out there. But I do look at how Mario Ferraro has played this year, and I think they're viewing themselves as a team that wants to get younger because when you're younger and when you have less money invested in older players, I mean, you get the best of both worlds. You have more energy, and if you want to look at trends in sports, younger teams have been a consistent factor in winning. Now, that's a relative term, younger, but there, there is a lot of data to back that up. But you would also have more money to invest in top-line players and to surround the Eric Carlson's and the Logan Gutures and the Tomas Hurdles with significant talent to make the team overall better. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes to get this team back into contention because you look at what is out there on, on Vegas, Edmonton, St. Louis, Colorado. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of talent, and the Sharks don't have as much talent right now, or at least it hasn't played to that level. And there might be age as a reason for that, or there might be fatigue as a reason for that. But you need to reshuffle the deck to surround your top guys with more depth and more ability. And if you have more free money to do that because your young players are stepping up, that's a win-win situation. But back to the trade deadline in and of itself, if there are moves out there to be made that the, the Sharks can make themselves better in the near future and for the long term, Doug Wilson has to go out there and make those difficult decisions, even if it means seeing a player that is synonymous with the Sharks putting on another team's sweater for the rest of this season, and who knows what happens after that fact. It's something that you have to put in your mind as a reality, and I'm willing to accept that if it makes the Sharks better, again, in the long term, and of course, in the short term. Now, the rest of this year, 
I want to see these guys continuing to battle and continuing to prove themselves as being part of the future of the Sharks. You're not going to make this team suddenly better and make a playoff push. You're not going to be buyers. You're going to be sellers. We all know that. But that still means the Sharks can go out there and win games. That still means the Sharks can go out there and battle and fight and be a team that nobody wants to face because they know this is a one-off, that they know this is the year where the Sharks were down and they'll be back with a vengeance. That's kind of the mentality that I want to see the team put out there, and I'm hoping that we get that opportunity to see the team put that out there. All right, let's change it up, get a different perspective besides mine. We are now joined by the color commentator for the San Jose Sharks, Jamie Baker. Bakes, what's up, man? How's it going? I'm good. All things considered, uh, we just rolled into Philadelphia, bus ride. So this is it's funny when you're on the East Coast, uh, you know, you're four games and you don't have much travel. You're on the same time zone. So it's actually, it's kind of nice. This is an easier, easier travel load, if you will. Yeah. Uh, team's not getting the results, but I still think we can pluck some positives out of the situation. Although I know some diehards probably find that hard to believe, but it's true. And uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. You know what? It's, you're in the NHL. As Joe Thornton said, I interviewed him a couple weeks ago before the Edmonton game. And, you know, just this was after his 1500th point. And he kind of talked about his to have the, that type of a career, you have to have passion, which he has so much of it. Prep, your preparation has to be so detailed, and you have to have perseverance. You know, like those three things have to be at another level than even just good players. Like, that's what the greats have. And then he added another P to it, privilege. He goes, it's a privilege to play in the NHL. That's Joe Thornton saying that. Yeah. Like, he takes it as a privilege to play in the best league in the world. So even though the team's struggling, like, it's a privilege to call games as a broadcaster. And you know this because you travel with the earthquakes, you know, especially when, in, you know, in, when you go to different cities and stuff. But it's a privilege to call a game in New Jersey and see Madison Square Garden the world going back to Coliseum and then being in Philly which is an avid sports town you know it's like it's a privilege so it's cool you know it's really interesting I was thinking about you know you said that we saw Jumbo with his 1500th point and we just saw Ovechkin get his 700th goal and we've watched Patty Marlowe just keep it on stacking up all the you know, different numbers he's stacking up over his career. And it's it's just, you know, like you said, it's a privilege. And it's incredible to watch these guys have these incredible milestones considering they're three such different players. It's like the Ovechkin versus Thornton versus Marlowe. It's three wildly different molds of an NHL player. But clearly, I mean, they've all found their own individual ways to have these just unbelievable careers and have you know milestones but the, but, fall in the same year you, is incredible but the, take the three things i just said their passion and and you know like i don't know who said it about the like passion at another level is love it's like embracing the suck mm-hmm. like it was i forget which it was a coach in the nhl i can't remember exactly you know I don't think it was Pete DeBoer. I should be able to remember, but I don't. Because I think they were talking about other, like, it's it's 
coming to practice when you feel like crap yeah. after a loss and you're like, can't wait to get to the rink. Like Jumbo, at the end of the season, when the team loses out in the playoffs or when they lost the Stanley Cup, like he's back at the rink a week later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just to start start his summer prep. Like it's not like he goes right into mid-summer, like hardcore, full-on squat train, like squats or whatever he's doing, like training. But he's starting, like he's there, he's at the rink, he's stretching, and then he's, you know, doing cardio. Like he doesn't ever, he never wants to get out of shape. Like that's, that's like passion and preparation. And that's, you know, Ovechkin, how hard he, how hard he partied. How was that for passion? (laughs) But then, but then you know what? A month later, he's pulling a friggin' sled, like, and he's training, like, he's posting on his Instagram how hard he was training. So one minute he's like, you know, swimming in water, drunk, and, you know, he's all over the place with this cup. And then a month later, he's pulling like 400 pounds on this sled, you know, outside, you know, his legs, he's in shorts, his legs are like, he's like, okay, he's like in full beast mode. He goes, I'm not done. You know, it's not like I'm not comfortable. I'm, you know, so that's what those guys all have. They have all of that to to the another degree, and they and they have the God given talent. You know, different talents, but they have the talent. But they use they've utilized their talents to the max, it's which so, is cool. No, it is, and it's so fun to watch these guys. And you know, with. You almost get spoiled with what we've had with the Sharks here. And, you know, this year, obviously, the team's not mathematically eliminated as of yet, but we all see which way the trend is going, which it's really tough over the last three games, Bakes, because the team's playing hard, out shooting the opposition, out hitting the opposition, doing a lot of the right things, not being rewarded for it. But you get spoiled in a way that we've grown accustomed to watching, you know, whether it was previously Joe Pavelski and Joe Thornton, and, you know, you've watched Eric Carlson, Tomas Hurdle. You've watched these talents. And then, you know, now this year it's it's not going according to plan. And it's it's a it's a very weird – It's it, to me it's distinctly different than 2014 and 2015 when that team missed out on the playoffs because that, that was a hangover effect from losing to the Kings and there was, there was just a lot of factors there. This feels wholly different than that year. Am I, am I, am I wrong in that assessment? No, no, no. So here's like, I'll, I'll share it with you. And then for whoever's listening, um, here's like, I, I've shifted perspective. So like when they were going into that break, there were three games left. And I was thinking to myself, either win all three or lose all three. Like you're either making a run for it or you're not. You know what I mean? Like, let us just let us know one way or the other. Um, and, and what it does is it, I guess it changes the bar of expectation. But the other thing is, you know, the, the year, the last time, what was it? 14, 15. Is that yeah, when it was 14, 15? Yeah. That they missed the playoffs. Like we didn't know until there was a few, couple of weeks left. So where it's really different this year, and I know there's injuries in that, but they were still in the hunt. So you're still like you're playing 
you're playing to win, like you're in desperation mode. So you're going to shorten your bench and all that. These guys are, they're still playing to win, Mm -hmm. but what's intriguing. This is where like, I'm not looking at like, I'm not looking at this as like, I know we're going to go out and statistically saying, well, we've lost four in a row. They've lost all the games this trip. This is how many goals they've scored. You know, and I talked about it tonight. My first key was, you know, cash the check. And it's like, you've worked hard in the defensive zone the last couple of games you've worked hard in the neutral zone you're working hard in the offensive zone like you're getting like now finish it like go cash the check like here you've you've earned your money now go cash the check like and it's called scoring goals and i know they they're struggling but like it's intriguing because i i don't remember the last time that i've been able to see this many young players in the lineup but it's not it's 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 almost like exhibition season but you're playing other teams that are fighting for their playoff lives so it's not like exhibition at all but these young players have an opportunity to not be scared to go out and make a mistake and not get back on the ice yeah to play four or five or six minutes because you shorten the bench, you know, and, and you're com- then you're completely taken out of the flow of the game. So we get to see these guys. We got to see Dylan Gambrell. Like yesterday, there were some things about his game. I'm like, okay, I think he should do this. It's like watching him. And and then today, you know, he's 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 out there. He's playing with Timo Meyer and Joe Thornton. So he's getting to play with some some good hockey players. And then we get to see Dylan Gambrell in a different way. Like Mario Ferraro is getting extended minutes. He's playing against the other team's top lines a little bit more as is Shimmick has in the past, but you know, Jacob Middleton's getting minutes now. It's because of the trade and because of the injury, but you know, Shellman, I get to watch him play true. So we're watching all these players and they're fighting you know, people can say whatever you want and say, well, the what like they're not going to make the playoffs. These guys are fighting to try and establish themselves as an NHL player. Like they're trying to, they're fighting for their dream. <laughs> That's like, right? Like you want to win the Stanley Cup, but before you do that, you got to make the league. You got to, you got to make the team. And it's the hardest league in the world to make. And then you got a bunch of guys on, you know, their contracts are expiring. Nason, Melker, Melker Carlson, LeBanc, he's a restricted free agent. Aaron Dell, Thornton, Marlowe, two four-year-olds. What's going to happen there? You know, and then you got other guys that we get to watch them and how they're how they how they respond when they have contracts and they're not going to make it. So, like, what? How are they going to be from a leadership standpoint? Brent Burns and Flasic on D. Timo Meyer up front because he's got a he's got a contract. Evander Kane failed the test yesterday. Today, mm, didn't pass the test, but didn't fail it. Yeah. Didn't play, didn't play bad, didn't mope, didn't dominate, but that's okay. Like, we'll move on from yesterday, but let's see how he responds to the rest. Like, so we get to shake the tree here a little bit, see what falls, <laughs> see who can cling on, right? That's, so I'm like, every game to me, I've, I've completely shifted my perspective. I find this extremely intriguing because yeah. there's so many, jobs and roles at stake in some capacity. And I think they're working their butts off 
like they're trying. They're just, I know they're not scoring. I'm not getting, you know, I was like, I was frustrated tonight at the refs and I was thinking about it on the bus ride to Philly. And I'm like, in one way, I'm like kind of glad the refs didn't call a lot of penalties, even though I thought the Sharks should have been on the power play a few times. Yeah. But, 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 it, but it did allow for more five on five time, which is good. So like, cause that's like, you know, that's what I want to see. So that's what I'm looking for. So I'm like, they're not making the playoffs. It's not, they're not they're not mathematically limited. They are not making the playoffs. Yeah. It's it's not even it doesn't matter. It's like and it's not like oh it's I'm not even saying it's all about next year. It's not all about next year. It's all about the next game. Watching who's how is everyone going to handle this? Because they're getting more. They're getting some minutes. These guys have never had. I've never seen this many guys with an opportunity to try and make the NHL at the same time at the, at this time of the year. It's like. The Islanders, that was a huge game for them. The Rangers, huge game for them. Philadelphia, huge game for them. And we come home, okay, it's New Jersey. Then we get Pittsburgh, huge game for them. So it's like, this is awesome. These teams are laying it on the line, and we get to see how these guys respond. So, it's, Well, it's, it's, a, it's a baptism by fire in a lot of ways because you are putting these young players against these teams that are in dire circumstances in terms of the playoff race. But one of the interesting things to me, Bakes, was when Ferraro got hurt briefly in Saturday's game. And my reaction to that and your guys' reaction to the broadcast and Ruzi and Hetty, it was like at that moment when Ferraro got hurt for momentarily, and it happened again in today's game, where it was like, oh, oh, crap. It was like suddenly my mind registered, hey, I view that guy as the future. He's a first-year player who's been good since the moment this year started. And all of a sudden, he's you know talking to the trainer and having to come off the ice, and that I was I was shocked at that reaction. It finally kind of brought it full circle. Like, okay, yeah, I I rate this guy as a really good first year player that has a lot of progression ahead of him, has a lot of room to grow, but also has a very high ceiling. It seemed like that's the way everybody reacted. Absolutely. I mean, and and like. Well, you're worried about him indiv- just individually, but also as a team. It's not like another defenseman. Yeah. But but also like, yeah, like and, you know he got banged up for a second in today's game. But I don't want him to lose. This is huge development time for him this last quarter of the season. Huge. You know he doesn't have to play. The thing is, and this is the one thing that these guys aren't getting. Well, the, there's the guys that have made the NH established like they're in the NHL. They can go play, and there's a little bit of a there's freedom at this time of year of um, going and playing. They still want to play with structure. They want to work hard, but they know that there's they know there's an end date, and they know when it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they know they're gonna have a long summer. So there's like not, and it has nothing to do with pacing themselves. But you're not when you're in a playoff race and games like really matter. Like we gotta win this game, like when you play, sometimes you're a little bit tighter. You get nervous. You're squeezing the stick a little bit. Like it's a different, it's a different mindset. So that's why you still see like Buffalo's going to win some games. Detroit is going to win some games. Like teams that are out of the playoffs are still going to win some people say, how do you lose to the LA Kings or the Anaheim Ducks? Like you should never, well, they're, these guys are going to, guys are still working hard. They're still pros, you know, they're playing for each other, but there's guys playing for their, you know, for positions. And there's a lot of scouts. You know, there's been a lot of scouts watching too. Yeah. Think about that. Think about that this past weekend, all the scouts that have been at the game. So, but 
for Ferraro, for anybody, any of these young guys, uh, I'm just I'm excited to see them get a real opportunity at trying to make the NHL. You know, and the last four years, you know, with Pete DeBoer here, they made that they've been in the playoffs. He likes veteran guys because he he knows what he wants and he's he's here to win like and and win a Stanley Cup. So that puts a dent on a young guy coming up. You're like your like your window is small as far as how much rope you have making mistakes making an impact in the game and that's that's you know you that's just the reality of you're playing in the best hockey league in the world so that's that's what this is about now. I won't ask you to make any predictions because I don't want to put you on the hot seat, and there's a lot that can happen by the time the deadline rolls around tomorrow afternoon. But just from your point of view when you were a player, what was it like when you were approaching the, the deadline? What was, was that? Was the dressing room more tense? Were guys, you know, did guys get blindsided or were people relatively aware of what was potentially coming? Everybody's aware of it. Everybody's aware of it, but there's, so I think, I think things are heightened a little bit, especially like the last week, because then you're kind of looking forward to it, just getting it over with. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, you get tired of asking, you know, like Brendan Dillon was just, just getting tired of it. Like being up in Canada, he just got tired of talking about it. He knew it was going to happen. You know, it was just like, let's just get it over with type of thing, you know? Yeah. So guys are used to distractions. There's a lot of distractions when you make it to this level. So, you know, if you're playing in Canada, every day is a media distraction. Look at, look at Toronto. I mean, they're getting ripped today because they lost to, you know, a Zamboni driver <laughs> who works for the team <laughs> and, and rightfully or wrongfully, but they're getting like, they're, they're getting like, that's a distraction. Like you, how do you handle they have to they have to handle that you know so i just think it's good when it's over. like i think it'll be good when it's over then you have your roster regarding the sharks I, to me the most intriguing thing is joe thornton and patty marlowe so it's like i don't know what we would i don't think we'd get a ton for them it'd probably be a conditional pick but the question is Who's, who's asking about them, and would they go? So I hope. I would love to see one of them. I would love to see one of those two. I'd love to see both of them win a Stanley Cup, but I don't think one team's going to take both. It's... I don't know what either of them want to do, but I'm like, that's the one thing that I'm intrigued by to a team to go try and win the Stanley Cup because I'm going to be like, come playoffs, I'll be cheering for like Dallas, for Joe Pavelski, Washington, for Brendan Dillon, like whoever, whoever, for Patty Marlowe, whoever, you know what I mean? It'll be it'll make the playoffs interesting. Well, Banks, I will leave it at that and let you go and get on with your evening. Always a pleasure, man, and uh, enjoy your time in Philadelphia, and then I look forward to seeing you back at the tank. All right, man? Yeah, we'll see you soon, and good luck to the Quakes from their first game coming up. Love it, man. Jamie Baker, everyone, color commentator for the San Jose Sharks. So one more for the Sharks on the East Coast. They take on the Flyers tomorrow at 4. Remember, our pregame coverage starts at 3 on the app with Ruzi and Hetty. Then the Sharks are going to be hosting the Devils on Thursday and then hosting the Penguins on Saturday. So things are not going to get any easier for the Sharks. But what I keep on coming back to is the fact that this team is still fighting, still battling, still going out there and playing committed hockey. And I, I really like what I'm what I'm seeing. I mean, again, we've seen some mistakes, no doubt. Brent Burns last Monday, 
Evander Kane on Saturday, but these guys are professionals. They know what it takes, and you know I don't expect them to make those same mistakes over and over and over, and that's why they are such uh, you know high-quality level players in the NHL and have been for the majority of their careers. You just want to see it a little bit more consistently right now because the Sharks have been punished for every mistake they make this year. And, you know, when we're going to go forward, we could see changes at the deadline. We could not see changes at the deadline. There's a lot that's going to happen uh, from the time that I'm recording this and what happens at the deadline later today. So we will see where the Sharks are, you know, who's here, who's not here, changes, no changes. We, we just got to wait and see, and it's a wait and see game right now. But even though the Sharks are not winning, I do appreciate the effort. And I have had people say, oh, well, you know what, that, that doesn't matter. And to me, it does, because you're not just evaluating the here and now. You're evaluating for the future. You're evaluating for, uh, you know, a stage that is beyond where the Sharks are right now. It doesn't have to be a lost season. It doesn't have to be a, a waste of a year. It doesn't have to be just a season that we look back at and say there was nothing positive out of that. You can look at it and say, okay, what did we learn about Mario Ferraro? What did we learn about Alexander True, who, by the way, I really like. You know, what did we learn about Shimek? you know, once again when he got healthy? Because there was so much hype about him. Then he goes down with a knee injury last year, and you thought, okay, could these results be replicated? I think most people would agree they like what they've seen from him. So there's a lot that the Sharks can get out of a year that's been disappointing, that's been tough, that's been rough, that's been not what any of us expected. We all expected for this team to be organizing themselves for a run into the Stanley Cup playoffs. It has obviously not gone that way. And those of you that are ticked off or upset or want to see massive changes come in, you know, I, I get that too. We all, everyone is asking themselves very difficult questions right now. It's not just the deadline but it's where this franchise is going to go going forward from here. And like I talked about with Bakes in the interview, this is a much different situation than in 2014-2015 when the Sharks missed out on the playoffs. This is this is different. This is a, a different reaction, a different team, a different place in the Sharks' timeline. We know that um, changes are always on the horizon when the deadline or the end of the year is upcoming, and I would imagine that the Sharks are going to make some changes and things might be a lot different or a little different. I just don't think things are going to stay the same by any means. And that isn't to say that I know something, but I think Doug Wilson's going to look at this situation and say, okay, what realities came to us this year? What happened ahead of schedule? What happened late? What were we taken surprised by? What are our needs and issues that we have to address that we can address with cap space, with money, etc., in the draft, with developing talents? These are all the questions that the Sharks are going to be with. And the thing is, is they've been able to focus on the winning now mode because that's what the Sharks have been. But this year has given them an opportunity to look to the future. And I know that some people are going to say, well, it's not just about the future, Ted. It's about what has happened this year and could this have been prevented? And I, I don't know. I mean, I, the what ifs, ifs, ands, or buts and that whole arguments and what could have been, you know, that's an exercise, not in futility, but yeah, I mean, you Anything could have happened. I agree. And if you sign this player or you sign that player or you don't sign this player, whatever, yeah, things could have been different. Things surely could have been different. I, I, don't, I don't know. But that's just a game that I'm not that interested in playing, but I understand why you might want to play it because you probably have an opinion about things. Everybody has an opinion. But because I don't want to get too upset, view the opportunity that the Sharks have been afforded. Where is this team right now? 
Where is this team going to be in five years? Where is this team going to be in eight years? Where is this team going to be in two years? Doug Wilson has a great opportunity with this season to make sure it's not a lost cause. And I think we're getting to see that play out before our eyes. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. Remember to join Hetty and Ruzi on the app 3 o'clock on Monday before they take on the Flyers. And we'll be bringing you ended post-game coverage as well. A big thanks to Jamie Baker for joining me here on Morning Tide. And, of course, to you, the audience, for tuning in as always. And the San Jose Sharks for making this show a reality. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.